Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Russian Football News Podcast where we'll be previewing the Confederations Cup Group A, which of course involves Russia. So we have three fantastic guests coming up for you today. But before I introduce the special guests, I'm going to introduce my two regulars, of course, the website editor, Toka Thiele. Hey, Tom. Glad to be back. Good stuff. And of course, our writer, Andrew Flint. Yeah, great to be back too, Tom. Thanks for, for getting this going. Good stuff. So we will, of course, be talking Russia throughout the thing. So we'll talk Russia with, with each of the guests, essentially. So our first guest is uh, Ola Bjerkovol. Is that is that correct, Ola, who's our expert on New Zealand? That is correct. And thanks so much for having me. No problem. Okay, Ola, so the first thing I want to say is New Zealand, obviously, the lowest ranked side in the competition of, at the Confeds. And nobody's really giving them a realistic chance. Do you, th- do you think that's fair? I do think that's fair because looking at the history of both the World Cup and the Confederations Cup, they've never really done much. And so, what do you think? Do you, is there any hope for New Zealand? There is some hope, but they're going to have to be tied at the back and then just hope Chris Wood can do something because the uh, hip and shame. Smelts have 43 of the 61 goals in the squad in total. So those guys need to need to ship in some if New Zealand wants to go through. Yeah, I mean, Chris Wood's been in great form for Leeds United. I, I watch a lot of championship football, as the, the two regular guests know. Um, so what sort of tactical setup are we expecting from the New Zealanders? It's probably going to be a 3-5-2 or a 3-5-1-1. Uh, kind of depending on, I guess, Anthony Hudson's mood of the day with either Shane Smeltz or Marco Rojas alongside uh, Wood. And they don't really tend to play long, long ball football, but I guess they're going to have to at some point because the opposition they face this time is of a much higher standard than the one they usually face in the Oceania qualification. Yeah, I mean, Toko, I want to bring you in here. And that's interesting what Ola was saying about the formation with the three at the back. Because, of course, we're expecting Russia to field a similar formation there. Yeah, and it's, it's probably good news because we have so many teams in, the Russia, in Russia playing with three in the back, playing these 3-6-1, 3-5-2, depending on how you, you put it up. So Russian players should at least have the experience of playing against the three. Uh, Against five in the, five or three in the back, depending on on how you see it. So, I, I don't think that would be that should be too much of a problem for Russia. Of course, the, the problem will be that the the Russian team doesn't have that many creative players. So, if New Zealand really puts up a, a strong defensive around the penalty area, it could it could cause some problems. But at least they have the experience of playing against uh, a, a a three centre back defensive line. Yeah, Andrew, I will come to you in a minute, Andrew, don't worry. But Ola, Toka mentions there that New Zealand might pack the defence. I mean, as the weakest team, are you expecting that? Or will they perhaps think, we're the underdog, let's be a bit more adventurous? Because I'm thinking that first game, sorry, that first game is really must-win for both teams here. Yeah, and that first game is the one that, if New Zealand's are going to get any points here, that's the one they're going to get it from. You know, the New Zealand media kind of hopes Russia's going to be terrified if you will by playing at home and you know it's a big it's a big stage and they can just you know put their shoulders down relax and play like they normally do but if that doesn't work in say the first 30 minutes they're gonna 
you know, park the bus and just hoof it, I guess. Yeah, Andrew, Ola mentions there about Russia being scared. I mean, do you think that's quite realistic? We've had a lot of pressure going into this tournament, really, on the Russian side. There has been a lot of pressure, you're right, Thomas. And I think it's a natural state of being a Russian football fan to be relatively pessimistic. Um, and I know a lot of people I've spoken to recently seem to think that that's going to add even more pressure to them. But I actually think the opposite. I think the fact that there is no realistic expectation of Russia means that they can come into this game um, without as much pressure as there would be if it was you know, ratcheted up a couple of notches playing Portugal, for example. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm interested uh, I'm interested about New Zealand because I watched a couple of their friendlies recently, Ola, and I watched the game against Northern Ireland and I actually thought New Zealand played better. And, you know, for us British football fans, Northern Ireland have been doing very well recently and qualified for the Euros. Um, and I, you mentioned that Marco Rojas, he's a player I've watched a couple of times and he looks to be a very exciting counter-attacking player. Um, so, I mean, I think for this game, I, I, I do see Russia being favourites. I mean, that's not exactly killer knowledge there, but um, I think it will be closer than most people think. Um, but I think, I think you're absolutely right, Tom, to say it's a must-win game for both teams. So, I still, I'm still going to watch it with interest. I don't think Russia will run away with it, but um, I'm going to be particularly interested to see if uh, that Marco Rojas is the player I'm looking forward to watching most of all. Um, and you never know. You never know. They, they could hit a, hit Russia with a goal in the counter-attack early on and, and keep it tight, and, and it could put a, a lot of pressure on Russia. So a lot of pressure on both sides, really. Yeah, I mean... Ola, do you just want to talk a bit more about Rojas? I just had a separate question as well. You, we've mentioned the defence quite a lot. I'm looking at the likes of Tommy Smith. I'm pretty sure Winston Reid's in the squad as well. That's that's some good... You know, they, they play a lot of competitive football in England, so they're, they're not exactly weak. Uh, they're not. No, and Winston Reid is unfortunately not in the squad. He would have been, but he got injured. Or he played with an injury in his last few games for West Ham this season. And had to undergo surgery and will miss well will miss the Confederations Cup. Otherwise he would obviously have been in the squad and captaining it. Yeah, so tell us a bit more about Rojas that, uh, that Andrew mentioned about. What sort of player can we expect? You can expect either if he plays out on the wing or if he plays behind the striker or as the second striker. He's the kind of guy who can do, well, turn nothing into something and he's got 12 goals in 25 league matches last season in the A-League with he tied for the uh, top of the assist spot with 11. So he's an extremely creative player who can well, he has if you look at some highlights from last season he has some amazing goals from distance as well so he can threaten from just about anywhere on the field really. Yeah I mean Toka going to that going looking at Rojas there I'm looking at the Russia defence I mean it's slightly different now because we've we've had the old guard phased out somewhat. But I'd still be a bit worried about that pace. And I also wanted to pick on the point about nerves that Andrew made. Andrew said he, he might think with New Zealand it might be a bit easier for Russia. I would actually go the other way. If it was against Portugal, where they were the complete underdogs, that would, that would really take the shackles off. But with this being so important, this first game, as we mentioned earlier, it could really backfire for Russia. Oh yes, definitely. I mean, this, as you said, this is the must-win game. If if Russia doesn't get through 
three points against New Zealand, then I, I'm I'm always most ready to say then then it's over because then they have to to defeat Portugal and Mexico, which of course would be very difficult. I'm I'm not so worried about the uh, a pacey striker because now Russia has three men at the back. I think with uh, with three central defenders, they should be able to to stop one striker, even though he he is fast and. And, and the current guys they have down there are obviously they're much much faster than Ignashevich and Beresutsky. So, so I, I think Rush will be will be all right. I mean, uh, a striker from Leeds, Leeds as good as he is, it's not the most scary thing in the world. I, I have to say that. You haven't seen Chris Wood though, Togri. He's, he's incredible to be fair. <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, Andrew, I just sort of thought it'd be quite interesting if we could put to Ola here. If we sort, if you went told Ola about Russia's sort of tactics and the way they like to play, and then perhaps Ola could pick out a few strengths and weaknesses that Russia could have against New Zealand for that match. Well, I mean, I, I I'm not entirely sure what the lineup is going to be for this game because Chechesov, as we know, has changed his starting lineup, and and nobody's entirely sure of his first choice lineup. But I'd say Russia's strengths are quite quite clearly the wing back areas um, and I, I I know not everybody is a fan but I think Alexander Semedov is actually going to be a very dangerous player for us so not necessarily for the most pace but good set pieces good deliveries into the box uh, and then of course there's the, the enigmatic Fyodor Smolov up front very intelligent striker uh, moving around so but it's very difficult to know how he's going to line up alongside Smolov because we've had we've had talk of Alexei Medanchuk um, a young playmaker playing as a, not false nine, but alongside um, Smoloff. So it's likely to be, I think, two up front. Um, he's also had a big, strong target man like Alexander Bukharov up front. On balance, I think he's going to go for um, Miranchuk alongside uh, Smoloff. So two very intelligent movers um, with, a, with a strong backline and two good wing-backs. But the wing-backs won't probably have the greatest amount of pace. Most likely Kumbarov and Samedov, I would have thought. Um, so, so, yeah, basically quite packed in the middle, intelligent movement up front and good deliveries into the box are the three main areas I'd pick out from Russia's likely tactical approach. So, Ola, judging from New Zealand's tactical approach there, where do you think the weaknesses would lie, specifically with the Russia game in mind, judging by what Andrew said there? And perhaps where New Zealand's strengths would be, judging by what Andrew said? I think the weaknesses would be the central midfield, because uh, there's not really that really, really good defensive central midfielder in the New Zealand squad. There is Bill Tuluma, who plays for Marseille, but he hasn't played for the first team at all this past season. And but he is good defensively. If you want to, if you want to, you could uh, push uh, Temistoklis Timofilos up into midfield, and he's he can also play centre back, so he's good defensively. But if they Russia gets a hold of the ball and pass around them, then New Zealand are going to struggle because if you play Rockers out on the wing then he might not be the best defensively and they could overrun them on that side. Uh, but strength-wise, you know, you have Chris Wood, he can hold up two or three players on his own almost. And if you then can get the wingers or wing-backs, depending on how you see it, into the game, then, you know, they, New Zealand are 
good at getting the ball into the box and having people in the right positions at the right times. So I think that would be key, just you know, being there when it matters. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd, I'd, I'm actually quite interested in here. It's about the sort of the off the pitch attitude, really, of not only the New Zealand players but the fans as well. I mean, are we expecting many New Zealand fans in Russia? And generally, what is the locals' attitudes towards this tournament? The attitude is kind of it's it's. I get the feeling it's fun to be at the big stage with the, the big boys, but they'd rather do well in the uh, World Cup qualifiers and get to the World Cup next year. Uh, but that being said, if New Zealand win the Oceania qualification, they're going to have to play the fifth-place South American team. And right now, that's Argentina. So they're not going to win that qualification if that's how it ends up. So with that in mind, then this tournament is extremely important because it's going to be Anthony Hudson's first real big test against really big teams. Yeah, I mean, Toka, looking at New Zealand's chances of the the tournament there and looking at their attitude towards it. I mean, we'll we'll probably touch more on it later in the pod as well with the other guests, but Russia's attitude, I'm sensing a bit, it's a bit mixed. Yeah, I think there's, it's a mix between, we, we had those really ambitious comments uh, a few years ago when Mutko said they could win the World Cup or go to the, go to the semifinals and, and we, we heard all these amazing things about how, how great Russian football was going to be and, and how amazing the the World Cup would be, and right now people are a bit more realistic. Let's let's say that I think that I think for most people I've spoken to, at least the opinion is okay. Let's let's hope we not at least disappoint too much. I mean, advance from the group, and then that will be that'll be alright. Because we have to remember that Russia have only advanced from the group at a major tournament once since um, yeah, well, since it became Russia. I mean, that was in Euro two thousand eight. So it's not like Russia have a, a lot of experience with these playoff games and, and everything so so i think this this would be very this should be very helpful for the national team we don't really know the group for 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 the world cup yet but they really need to prove themselves prove that they can play on this stage and uh, it it'll be interesting to see because it it's not an impossible group let's be honest about that they they do have chances of uh, of advancing at end and and they, they they need to advance otherwise it will be a disappointment no matter what yeah, I mean, Andrew, I think I think you've got a quick question for Ola as well, just before we start rounding this off. Well, yeah, Ola, I was just uh, I just wondering, really, you you gave a very good answer to how the tournament is being considered by New Zealand public and, and media, um, and that balance between World Cup qualification and and uh, you know a title of any description or at least some success in a tournament like this. I was just wondering, um, what's What's your attitude towards um, the Oceania qualification system in general now? Uh, I know it's slightly off topic for Confederations Cup, but it does, does tie into the mentality of the side. You know, with what, what do you think the team are going to be like? Are they going to struggle adapting to being the big boys in the Oceania group to suddenly being the minnows in the Confederations Cup? Do you think they have the mental strength to cope with that change? Do you think they have the strength to do that? And it's a good question because when you go from, you know, heavy favourites in every game you play to, you know, barely having a chance at all, then you're gonna, you're 
going to need good men for tonight. But they've shown in the past, they played friendlies against Mexico and the US in uh, the fall of last year, and they lost kind of unfortunate 2-1 to Mexico uh, and uh, drew 1-1 with the US. And so they show that they they can pick it up when they need to. And I think they'll draw on the experience. Yeah, I mean, just before we, we round off, and Ola, I'll obviously give you a chance to, to plug yourself, but just going round the, round the panel now, I mean, Toki, your predictions for this this match? For the rush? <clears throat> well, ho- hopefully Russia will win. I mean, it, it really is a must-win game, but you know I have to be pessimistic. You know I have to, to look at the worst-case scenario. So I fear Russia will start off start off with a draw, like 1-1 one, one or something like that. Okay, so the classic RFN pessimism. What about you, Andrew? You're the optimist. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not hard to be the optimist alongside you two on this panel, but um, I am indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, I do think it will be a Russia win. I, like I said, I don't think they're going to run away with it. Um, in in our Russian Football News Predictions League for the Confederations Cup, so far, a lot of people have gone for um, high-scoring win for Russia, but I'm not going along that line. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 to Russia, I think. Okay, and Ola, to you, not just this match, but also New Zealand's chances in the tournament in general. This match, I'll say either a one-one draw or a two-one win to either of the teams. They're kind of, if I'm going to be nice, it's kind of fifty-fifty. And in the tournament in general, they might have a chance against Portugal, depending on the lineup. And Mexico's probably going to be well. They might do something, but you know, one draw and two losses is my prediction for for New Zealand in general. Okay, perfect. And just before we let you go, Ola, just a chance to plug yourself, just sort of where we can find you about writing about football, etc. Thank you. You can find uh, me on Twitter at OlaBJE, and you can find my website on uh, footballoceania.com or on Twitter at FTBL underscore Oceania. Okay, perfect. So again, it just leads me to say thank you, Oliver, for participating up. And to be honest, this is actually, I was a bit not unexcited about the game coming up on Saturday, but this has actually really made my enthusiasm quite high. I'm actually expecting something from New Zealand now, so it should be, it should be a great occasion. So again, thanks for coming on, Ola. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. No problem. So welcome to the second part of the uh, Confederations Cup preview from Russian Football News. Of, of course, I'm joined again by Andrew Flint and Toki Thiele. Just say hello again. Hello. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're still here. You can't get rid of us that easy time. Yeah, I know. It's, although I do, no, I don't try because I need people to help me. But I'm, I'm delighted to welcome our next guest, who's our expert on Portuguese football, and that is Tom Kundert from uh, Portugal. We had him before, actually, a couple of seasons ago uh, for the Europa League previews we did. And uh, you were covering Benfica for us there, Tom, I think. But you're covering the Portugal national team for us this time. Yeah, that's right. Thank you for calling me on again. Yeah, so, I mean, the, fir- the first question really is, Portugal, of course, had a fantastic Euros last, se- last summer, winning the tournament and everything. So they must go as one of the favourites into this tournament, I would say. If not the favourite really because I'm looking at the Germany squad for example it's not really at full strength they're the only team well Chile as well but who knows the conditions for them but Portugal this is a big opportunity for them to follow up on Euro 2016 yeah absolutely yeah you 
made a good point there about Germany because I suppose if Germany took their full, full squad, of course, as world champions and with the players they've got, they, they would probably be favourites. But yeah, Portugal are kind of showing how seriously they're taking this by taking a, a full strength squad. Uh, there was some cause for experimentation, some cause for some players to be rested uh, when you take into account, for instance, someone like Cristiano Ronaldo and, well, practically all the squad, not just Ronaldo, but uh, of course next year is the big one, it's the World Cup, and some people are pointing out that look, he's going to be playing the European Championship, the Confederations Cup, uh, and the World Cup, two summers in a row, uh, ready with, you know, add to that all his club duties and Real Madrid of course always getting to the to the end, the very end literally of the Champions League. That uh you know he's gonna be absolutely exhausted. But uh the Portuguese Football Federation has kind of ignored all of those calls, gone with the pretty much a very stronger squad that they could have. So just before I get on to the taxis and things, you mentioned there about there being some debate about it. So what was your view on that full strength squad? Yeah, well, I, I think I agree with the people who said perhaps uh, Portugal should have rested players, uh, rested players and experimented some new players, kind of killed two birds with one stone, because, like I said, I think, you know, we'll, we'll only know this next summer, but there's a chance that by the time the World Cup comes around, you know, a lot of those players are really just going to be burnt out from three seasons of non-stop football, uh, you know, including big summer tournaments. But uh, and, uh, it's interesting that Rui Costa, of course, one of the kind of great ambassadors of Portuguese football, kind of Portuguese football royalty, I suppose you can say, he came out just last week and he said exactly that. He was very critical of this tournament, uh, saying that he thought it was basically a waste of time and it was just, uh, you know, uh, wearing players into the ground. He was making the point that we have to now we've got this fantastic product football that's more and more popular every year, it seems. But uh, you have to protect the best players and look after the best players, and this tournament is doing nothing for that. So uh, I think I agree with that from that point of view, and also just from the point of view of experimentation. Portugal have got uh, quite a settled squad as one or two positions where they really need to look at some other options and they need a centre back position and this tournament would uh, appear to be the ideal uh, scenario to do that really but uh, instead of doing that uh, Fernando Santos has picked the first choice centre backs who are all about 100 years old in a way so uh, it's, it's, he definitely isn't off the same point of view yeah, we're, we're used to old centre-backs on Russian football news, really, given, given our history with the Ignashevich and Benazuski brothers and everything. But um, you mentioned the tactics there. So what sort of formation are we expecting? And are we expecting... We, Portugal got a lot of criticism last summer. I mean, I didn't criticise because they won the tournament. But for being negative, are we expecting them to be a bit more expansive or just go with tried and trusted? Yeah, well, you know, Fernando Santos, you know, he did it at Greece, of course. He uh, had a tremendous record there, but they kind of very kind of dour football and he took over at, uh, at Portugal some people were afraid the same thing would happen uh, but of course others said well you know he's got, got this one thing being a manager of Greece it's never been a manager of Portugal where you've got you know fantastic talent at your disposal and, uh, and so yeah there has been criticism that Portugal that Santos is too conservative 
But of course, you know, every, every bit of criticism of Santos is kind of just a modicum of criticism because he's almost a saint in Portugal after leading Portugal to their first ever trophy and uh, doing it brilliantly, you know, whatever you may think of the style of football. That was uh, 50 years of trying, okay, to uh, make tournaments Portugal, especially the last 10 or 15 years, quite close a few times, a few times, but last year was when they actually did it. So, uh, so there wasn't too much criticism really given the end result, uh, definitely last summer. Uh, since then, people have said, okay, we've kind of broken our duck, so maybe now we can marry winning football to playing some kind of, you could say, more traditional player football that Portugal was known for. But uh, everything that Fernando Santos has done so far suggests that he's going to keep his template. He's a uh, 4-4-2, sticking to his 4-4-2, uh, leaving some very talented players on the bench, quite controversially in some cases, such as Bernardo Silva, and sticking with kind of a, a, a more workman-like uh, midfield, uh, maybe not in personnel, but in their style of play. Uh, in Portugal's Miura 2016 triumph, quite often, especially in those crunch matches, he basically lined up with four central midfielders, you know, very little width. And, uh, judging by the last few World Cup qualifying matches, he might do something similar this tournament. Yeah, I mean, Andrew, we spoke on the, the previous section of the pod about the New Zealand match, how Russia are essentially the favourites. So there's, a much different attitude going into this game against Portugal for, for Russia. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Portugal will be will be clear favourites um, against against Russia. And I, I think it's interesting what what Tom's just said about the the strength of of the squad. I'm 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 surprised. I, don't, I haven't followed the Portuguese national team um, closely. Obviously, not as closely as Tom over the last few years. But a player like Bernardo Silva. Is for me the ideal sort of, of Confederations Cup player, if you like. He's still relatively young, but he's had a breakthrough season or a couple of seasons, if you like. At um, Monaco, he's got his big move to Manchester City, um, and he's the sort of player I would be terrified to face as a Russian. Um, I think he's the sort of tricky, quick-thinking, quick-passing um, creator that would quite comfortably cause Russia problems. So I'm pleased to hear that he might not be starting. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think in this in this game, by the sounds of what you're saying, Tom, um, with Fernando Santos's approach, that it'll be pretty difficult for Russia to get much change out of this game. If it if he had gone with a more younger, more experimental Portuguese side, then perhaps Russia could have had a bit more hope. But um, you know, you look you look down that that list. Just look look at the squad list now: Cristiano Ronaldo, Andre Silva, Bernardo. Ricardo Silva, Nani, Jelson Martins, Ricardo Charisma as a forward line. I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, people yeah. In, I mean, so, so, sorry just to put in, but yeah, you're right. You know, even though you know, I've been talking about this kind of power football and, you know, not expansive football, you know, people in Portugal, there's no doubt about it, they are aware that it's kind of a golden era for Portuguese football. Some people think that already calling this the second Portuguese golden generation. You know, after uh, in the uh, early 2000s or late 90s, you had Luis Figo, Ricosta, Paulo Sosa, Vitor Bahia, you know, all this incredible uh, generation of players. But people are saying this this generation of player or players can you know can match them individually, perhaps 
certainly on the team, you know, you know they've actually won something which Gordon Generation didn't manage to do. So, yeah, there's, and there's absolutely no doubt that Portugal have some. You're right, just looking at that forward line, you know, I remember when the squad was announced, going through a lot of the comments on the various different sites, people, you know, even Portuguese people were just saying, wow, just look at that forward line. You know, just look at midfield, yeah. forwards, onwards, that is just so much talent in there. We're going to win this thing. And the thing is, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure Santos has absolutely found out the best way to, to utilize that. Because you're absolutely right about the Ronaldo Silva. That's what everyone, I think that's probably what has drawn the most criticism, um, mm. for Fernando Santos since he's been in Portugal. And like I said, he's almost like the same, you know, <laughs> after what he did. But, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, look, Fernando Silva basically is considered probably the best Portuguese player, the most talented Portuguese player to emerge since Cristiano Ronaldo. And he's not mm. even getting, uh, getting into the team, you know, in the last match, for instance, against Latvia last week. Didn't even get off the bench. Uh, you know, which people found absolutely incredible. Like you said, it's just had these two incredible seasons, really. Well, ever since Newton Monaco has been impressive, but this season, especially, you know, I don't know if you caught the Champions League games against Manchester City, it was just sensational in both games. So you would, you would think he's, uh, he's ready. But, uh, you know, maybe, and also just on one point on the, the, the actual Russian match, uh, I think that's the last match, that's Portugal's last match. Um, it's the second, uh, it's the second, it's on the 21st of June. Ah, uh, second match, okay, okay, so yeah, I think it might depend what happens in Portugal's first match, because if Portugal get a positive result against Mexico, which, uh, uh, you know, perhaps, you know, realistically speaking, you can say that for the qualifying spots, probably between, uh, Portugal, Russia and Mexico, so if Portugal get a good result against Mexico, and then, then, uh, that their final games against New Zealand, perhaps, uh, you know, just perhaps Fernando Santos might be uh, willing to, uh, to, you know, to change things up a little bit for the Russia game. Uh, also, take into account it's a very, there's very few days between each game in this tournament, so uh, it may not actually be, depending on that first result, uh, I think Portugal may put out slightly wouldn't say weaker team, but maybe a slightly different team against Russia. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tom, you mentioned earlier, and even though you mentioned the change team, we'd expect them to go two up top, I assume. And Toka, we mentioned as well previously on the, on the New Zealand bit with Russia going three at the back there. But even that security of the third central defender, that Portugal forward line we talk about will cause a lot of problems. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean. We just saw Bernardo Silva, he played amazing against Siska in the group stage of Champions League this, uh, this season. I, I believe he even scored in Moscow. So obviously, Portugal is, is probably the best team in the entire tournament. This, if I look at the, if I look at the various squads. So yeah, this is, that, that, that's also why I've talked to said that Russia had to pick up the points in the game against New Zealand because it's very difficult to see Russia beating uh, Portugal. I know it happened a few years ago when Capello was the head coach of the, uh, of the Russian national team, but when I look at this squad, it's it's hard to imagine. Although, of course, Portugal do have Luis Neto in the defense, so I guess I guess everything is is possible. I mean, maybe maybe he gives out a couple of gifts for his his old friends. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting, you know, because this Portugal team, like you said, midfield going forwards and the forward line is really you know, 
you've got an embarrassment of riches. But in contrast, uh, especially in central defence, things are looking a little <laughs> bit, uh, uh, can I put it, uh, not, you know, a little bit fragile, especially if Pep, who's been injured lately, he doesn't make it. Uh, he's again sat out training yesterday with just had light training uh, while the rest of the squad train normally. So there's some question marks about his fitness, and of course, even if he if he does recover from his injury, he's played very little football in the last uh, three or four months, and so uh, you know that could be a problem. You mentioned Louis Medfield there. Is be honest, people don't know too much about him uh, in Portugal because, of course, he's played he's been in Russia for so long. But uh, and he's just the odd game he's played in Portugal uh, for Portugal as a replacement. Uh, he hasn't really made any mistakes. He's done okay, but uh, people don't know too much about him. The only thing is, any Russian commentator I ever speak to uh, gives him, uh, let's, how can I put it, uh, far from glowing reports on uh, you know how he's doing in Russia, and he basically doesn't seem to have impressed people very much there. And uh, so his, uh, and then and then of course the other replacement, uh, it's Kep and Jose Font would be either would be the uh, first choice centre backs that uh, if something happens to Pep or or or, or Fon, uh, then we've got uh, either Luis Neto or Bruno Alves, who of course you guys know a lot about as well. Bruno Alves, you know, fantastic servant for Portugal, he's still a decent player, but he was always slow at the best of times, and at uh, 36, I think he is now. You know, he's not getting any faster. So one one thing I'd ask you is, uh, although you're right that Portugal may be able to cause Teams, well, you'd expect Portugal to cause teams' problems uh, going forward. I don't know uh, much about Russia's forward line. I don't know if they've got, for instance, uh, any, if they've got fast, tricky wingers uh, or, or forwards. I think that could that could be a problem for Portugal in the centre of defence. Yeah, one of the panel take that. Andrew or Toke, I don't mind which one, obviously. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd certainly, obviously, take any opportunity to um, remind people of how brilliant Fyodor Smolov is. But um, now, I mean, in terms of the danger to the Portuguese backline, Tom, what I would say is it would be more about the intelligent movement than out-and-out pace. Um, there isn't a huge amount of pace in the Russian um, forward line in general. Um, because, it, well, I mean, Smolov will be the, he will lead the line in all three games. Um, the question is who plays alongside him. Um, and we were saying in the previous section of this pod, in the New Zealand preview, I thought that, you know, Alexei Marantrik is most likely. Um, he's only young and he tends to, under pressure, I find he, he does go missing sometimes in big games. But when he's, when he's on song, he's, he's unplayable with his, with his movement. So I suppose that is Russia's only hope. Um, that, uh, well, I mean, I'm personally, Hoping that Luis Neto will play because I, I'm I'm kind of with the Russian commentators in this one that I I don't rate him very desperately highly, um, and if there is any doubt in the Portuguese backline, then if Smolov and uh, Moranchuk can take advantage, then that might be where Russia's chances lie. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, the the it almost doesn't matter because because of the attacking riches that. Portugal have so I wouldn't say paces should be Portugal's worry, but um, movement up front um, could be could be where we will be able to hurt Portugal if anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, okay, take... well, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll, 
sorry. No, go on, Tom, go on. Principles, as well as the centre-backs being very slow, we've also the defensive midfielder, probably be William Carvalho, who's people are, uh, he divides opinion quite a lot. He's a you know, big, solid, physical, uh, holding midfielder, and he's got a good passing range as well. But again, uh, he's not at all slow, and if you get past him, then he's probably not going to catch you up. So, that's why I'm just saying that, uh, Perhaps, uh, especially if you can imagine the scenario when maybe Portugal is dominating the game and spent, you know, pushing a lot of men forward, I think uh, they could be a bit susceptible uh, to being caught on the break. I mean, Toko, would you go with Tom there about Russia perhaps having a chance on the break or, or is there not enough pace in the team, as Andrew alluded to? No, I think, of course, Russia have chances. I mean, we have seen Smolov do amazing things for Krasnodar all season. We saw him score a a brilliant goal the other day uh, in in one of the friendlies. So of course Russia has has chances. Um, in my opinion, it, it depends on whether or not the the defense can can maybe not keep a clean sheet, but at least keep Portugal to one goal. Because if 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 Portugal allows to score multiple goals, then I can't see Russia be in this game at all. Because Russia can't Russia can't uh, win a game, but they have to. Um, yeah, but they have to go all out attack all game because then Portugal will definitely be stronger. But but if the defense is, is uh, remains solid and and they can perhaps frustrate the Portuguese a bit, then um, of course it, it will be open. It definitely be open. And and Smolov is a great player, so he only needs half a chance and he, he'll put it in the goal. So, but but yeah, Portugal are favourites, and of course I expect Portugal to to take the victory. Okay, so of course this match on the twenty first of June at the Atkriti Arena in Moscow. Uh, Toki, you've just given your prediction, so you've just done my, my question for me. Uh, Andrew, what's your prediction for this match? Um, I was much clearer in my mind that I thought Portugal would win. I mean, I guess I'm the optimist, as you know, so I've got to try and be positive. I still think Portugal will have too much, but I'm going to go for probably 2-1 to Portugal. I think Russia might, might have a chance to score, but um, I still think Portugal have just got too much. So Portugal to win by, by a goal, I would say. Okay, perfect. And Tom, what's your prediction for not only this match, of course, but for the tournament in general for Portugal? Are we expecting at least a final appearance? Uh, yeah, well, Fernando Santos yesterday in the press conference, he, you know, he made a point of saying, and to be fair, he's always said this from the moment he was presented as Portugal manager, that the only thing he's interested in is winning. Uh, that's also another reason, of course, why Portugal are going there with a full-spent squad. So, uh, you know, they're definitely, if they don't make it to the latter stages of this tournament, probably even the final, I think they'll probably consider it uh, a failure or a disappointment. And, uh, yeah, I'd expect Portugal to go quite far. Again, Russia, that's the one game which worries me a bit. Uh, you alluded to it earlier. I remember when Portugal went there in the qualifier a couple of years ago, was it? Maybe a bit more, and I think Russia won 1 0. And uh, Portugal just really weren't. At the races that game, I remember Russia were quite superior, and uh, I think maybe with home support behind them as well, I think that would be quite a tough game for Portugal. Uh, and I'd actually go for maybe a draw in that particular game. For the for Portugal's uh, performance as a whole, uh, yeah, I'll never be optimist. So let's uh, let's just put a curse on them, and I say they're going to go and win it. 
I like how you're being nice to the Russian national team there for us on Russian Football News. But uh, just before we round off this section of the pod, Tom, just uh, give the listeners uh, where we can find your work and on Twitter, etc. Okay, thank you. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the most of my work is on the site Porter Goal, which is uh, P-O-R-T-U-G-O-A-L dot net, uh, net, and that's just the site all about Portuguese football and national team football. And then uh, the associated Twitter account is Portugal One. That's P O R T U G O A L One. That's the, my Twitter account. And then if I uh, do bits and pieces for other sites as well, that gets flagged up on there. So that's where you can find everything you need to know about Portuguese football. Lovely. We will certainly be looking at that throughout the Confederations Cup and, of course, well into the future. So, again, Tom. Thanks for joining us, and uh, Andrew and Toko, I'll see you shortly for, for our Mexico section of the podcast. But thanks again to Tom Kunder from Portugal. Okay, thank you very much. So welcome to the third and final part of the Russian Football News Confederations Cup preview. We're down to the final team in the group uh, who Russia will face, and that is, of course, Mexico. Uh, we'll be joined by uh, Tom Marshall here, our expert on Mexican football. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, just a bit tired, arrived yesterday in Kazan and uh, long. it's a long trip from Mexico, I can tell you, but uh, yeah, excited to be here and uh, and yeah, can't wait for the for the tournament to get going. So so how long was your flight from Mexico, just out of interest, and what was the route you took? It was, it, was, it ended up being thir- about 30 hours from, from kind of leaving the hotel in Mexico City, because Mexico played on Sunday night against the United States, so it was, it was a massive game. And then, um, yeah, basically 30 hours through Madrid and then to Moscow and then, and then to Kazan. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a long one, but, but I think it'll be worth it. Well, we're sorry to be interrupting your beauty sleep. I'm, of course, joined again by uh, website editor Toka Thielade and uh, writer Andrew Flint. Looking forward to this section very much so. And Toka, I'm sure. Oh, you yeah, are absolutely. Well. Perfect. Okay, so, Tom, we may as well kick off with it. We were saying to, um, the other Tom, Tom Kundert from Portugal on the, the previous section of the pod, that they are probably the favourites, not only for the group, but one of the favourites for the tournament. But actually, I also thought on the side of my mind, Mexico will feel they have a good chance here. Yeah, I mean, I think Mex- the Mexican teams are coming together quite well. I mean, you know, I think last summer there was the there was the 7-0 defeat against Chile, and I think that got a lot of headlines. But really, since then, it's been, um, I don't know, Mexico have really gone from strength to strength and I think I don't know it's been almost a kick up the backside that 7-0 and I think it's refocused the team and um, I think there's a realisation that you know player for player this isn't an elite team but when they play together and, and when they do things right collectively then you know they've, they've got a good chance to get ev- against everyone and I think that you know obviously with, with the Confederations Cup not only having the eight teams then I think that you know Mexico think they've got a, a pretty good chance of, of, of going far. I mean, what what formation are we expecting them to line up with? What sort of style are we expecting them to implement? Um, I mean, it's a good question because Juan Carlos Osorio is known as uh, I don't know. I'm not sure if I've ever seen a manager change formation and and players. I mean, he's he's famous for his rotation policy. You know, he changes he can change his formation from game to game. So it really depends how the the opposition set up. I mean. It, it really could. You could see, you know, there's there's three group games. You could see 
makes Caulfield three different goalkeepers, for example. Um, I mean, that, that's what Osorio did in the Copa America, and we, we could see that in the, Cup, in the Confederations Cup as well. But I think the general, if you were to say, what's the, what's the formation that Osorio most likes? It's a 4-3-3 with one holding midfielder and, and you know, two more box-to-box attacking midfielders. Um, you know, and two, two wingers very pushed very high up the pitch. Uh, you know, a team that likes the ball, um, likes to have possession, technically very gifted. Um, and I think what's, what Osorio's done differently from, say, you know, say past Mexico teams, you know, in the 2014 World Cup, 2010 World Cup, going back, it always feels like Mexico has a, a decent team and he plays, you know, Mexico plays good football. I think what Osorio's trying to be, trying to do as well is, is to instill a bit of steel. So, you know, if he goes, if Mexico play a team that are, that are physically good in the air, um, and they're going to cause Mexico problems physically, he, he's got no problem with, with putting kind of his, you know, he's basically his tallest, most physically um, strong players in this. So, for example, against the United States, he played a backline of four. And you could say all four of those players are predominantly known as, as centre-backs. And that was very, very much to, because he was a, bit, a little bit fearful of, of, um, of the United States' um, threat in, in, in the air, basically, in its set pieces. Sounds like, sounds like the West Brom of uh, American football, to be honest. But, um, Andrew... <laughs> Judging by what Tom said there about how Mexico line up with Russia going with Rick's bet, I mean the, the point about rotation is very interesting because we've seen this with Cherchesov, and I'm still not sure what sort of lineup he go with. But the only thing I would say is for certain is the back three. Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's basically the story that Cherchesov has set out, isn't it? You know, he, he said very clearly he was going to go with a back three, and I don't see him changing that. But what I do think is is interesting, probably not as much as um, Juan Carlos Osorio for Mexico, but Chichesov has changed um, at least the personnel in the midfield um, and up front. Um, you know, for example, seeing Alexander Semedov and, and Igor Smolnikov in the same side in a 3-5-2 was very surprising. But it showed at least a bit of imagination or willingness to try uh, slightly different combinations. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. It's going to be definitely back three for um, for Russia. Um, one question actually I do have for for Thomas is is about two players that have played in England quite a lot: Giovanni dos Santos and, and Carlos Vela. Um, I know they went for a bit of a lean spell. Um, in terms of their motivation and their output for the Mexican national side, you know, not so long ago. But as, as far as I understand, they they seem to be coming back into a bit more form. Is is this the case? And and how is he actually going to? How is Osorio going to get the most out of Dos Santos and Bella? Yeah, I think that uh, you know Giovanni Dos Santos obviously moved from Villarreal to to LA Galaxy in the, in MLS. You know. He, he, he is in form, um, and I think he's going to be a, a useful player. I'm not. I'm not so sure he's a you know a definite starter for Mexico at the minute. Um, but you know he is he is playing well. But I think when you talk about Carlos Vela, for me that's the player that that can when he when Carlos Vela is on form and and he wants to be playing and and he's motivated, then you know the, the possibilities that this Mexico team can do something special. You know, not just this summer, but looking to to the World Cup next year. I just think it's just goes up significantly. I mean, Vela, when he went to Arsenal, he, he admits it himself, he wasn't very mature. He, he kind of let the opportunity slip through his fingers. And I think it's only over the last kind of 12 months that Carlos Vela has realised that basically he's got to pull his finger out. That You know, he's, he's 28 years old now. 
and and he's not got many more years left in his career. And I think over the last few games for Mexico, and he said in press conferences as well, he said, you know, he wasn't happy with the Mexican national team before. I mean, he didn't turn up for over three years. He just said he didn't want to play and he never explained the real reasons. Um, but now he's back. And honestly, the last few games, I mean, he scored a great goal against the US. Um, he had an assist the game before that against Honduras. And then, uh, and then going back to the last international break again, another amazing pass through for Chicharito. So Vela is is on form. He's, he's, he he said he wants to show what he can do with the national team. So I think I think Vela is. If you were to name out of all, the whole squad, one player to keep an eye on for Mexico is Vela because he is he is a special player. I mean, I think talent wise, he's he's up there with the very best. It's just it's just the consistency and and him being motivated to. To do it because he's on record saying he prefers basketball to football. So I mean, that's that tells you something about his uh, about his mentality. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Toka. I mean, Tom mentions there about a lot of sort of talented individuals, and you actually mentioned on the New Zealand section that with the Russian back three, you weren't too worried about pace. I'm just wondering whether that attitude has changed somewhat given this Mexico side. Oh yeah, the Mexico side is of course a completely different story than the. Um... That that in the New Zealand team because at at Mexico it's not only a, a lone a, a sole striker up front because we know in Mexico they also have really good midfielders they have creative players all over the line they have multiple threats where at, uh, at New Zealand I was I was more talking about they had one striker and the rest of the team would probably be defending uh, I'm very scared of of this Mexico side to be honest I I'm really looking forward to to seeing them play I. I mean, it's one of the teams I always enjoy watching during the big tournaments. Obviously, I don't watch them on a on a regular basis, but at the World Cup, it's 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 a pleasure. And yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. And and I think Russia will have uh, they should they're in for quite the challenge against this team because when I look at the squad, I must say there are some there's some really good names in that squad. Yeah, I mean, Tom, looking at the the Russia Mexico, well, the Mexico Russia match in Kazan, where you are at the moment, that's on the the twenty fourth of June, so only ten days away at time of recording this. I'm just wondering if you have any specific questions regarding Russia's team and what you would expect from them from a Mexico point of view for the panel. Yeah, I mean, basically, um, you know, I, I don't think. I mean, when Carlos when Carlos Osorio talked a little bit about the Russian team, so he he said that you know the teams to be. Seems to be a faster team, um, you know. It's a, there's a new generation, but honestly, I don't think there's uh, you know much. The, the people, especially in Mexico, know that much. I'd say that you know I just looking through the the squads this morning, and I think Russia have only got two players in the in the whole 23 man squad with with more than 50 players. So you know, they, and, and all of the all the players in in Russia are based in Russia, if I'm not mistaken. So um, yeah, it's it's a bit of an unknown. I'm not going to lie, uh, but yeah, I think I think Osorio. He he will be completely well prepared. I know he's and he's already. I know his coaching staff have already watched the games. Um, I think it was where Costa Rica played there uh, late last year, and I, I know they, I know they were studying that game. Um, so yeah, but yeah, you're saying back three. But how, how many how many strikers do you think he'll play with? Just sole striker against Mexico or or, or two two up front? Uh, two strikers. They two they strikers. could use yeah use Smolov who's a who's a fast player and and then. Uh, Alexander Bukhara from uh, Rostov, who's who's a classic target man, so sort of an English English inspired duo up front. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, if if Russia played two strikers like that, then I'd I'd, I'd predict that Osorio will also move to a, a back three. Uh, I think that's that's what he tends to do. If you look against the United States last Sunday, 
Um, basically, what Osorio does as well sometimes is he'll put a side out and he'll change the formation when he sees the opposition side. So, for example, against the United States, they've been playing a 4-4-2. Osorio saw the team sheet and it was obvious that they were only playing one up front. So he changed to a back four with, you know, so the theory being that there's always one spare centre-back. So if Russia playing two up front, I expect Mexico to play a back three and I expect it to be kind of a, a 3-4-3, basically. Um, so if, if I was to make an early prediction, I'd say that's what Osorio would do and, and, and you know, go, if Russia were playing the back three like that, just go man for man and I expect Mexico to put a, you know, you, you know the, the, the wing is very high up and, and obviously the, the main striker on, on the on the central centre-back. Yeah, Andrew, Tom's given his prediction, his mystical prediction there of the 3-4-3. I'm looking at the three strikers, and although we say Russian teams are used to playing three at the back, because that seems to be the trend in the Russian league at the moment, they won't often have played up against three forwards like that. So it could be a completely different prospect and quite a frightening one. Yeah, that's, that is a very good observation, to be fair, because, um, yeah, like you say, most, most Russian teams domestically will play with, with one target man up front and, you know, three supporting midfielders behind them um so this it, it does sound like from what from what you're saying tom that um that osorio's approach is going to be hard to predict in some way so that might be the biggest challenge in itself actually knowing quite how to prepare you know the the development um of the russian national team tactical approach has been relatively slow should we say because it's been settled with a flat back four with very experienced centre-backs for some time. And only recently have we changed to, I say recently, like the last year or so, changed to a back three regularly. So um, I think I think at least half of the preparation is done by the, the back three becoming normal in Russian football. Um, but if I, personally, if I was in charge, uh, if I was Chichesel, um I'm not sure I would go for two up front. I would have, I would play certainly Miranchuk um, and Golovin and even Yadokin. I'd play more attacking midfielders as opposed to a conventional um, front two. I'm not, I'm not saying that's what I think he will do, but that's what I would do because I think it might give them more options to, or second guess what Mexico are going to do. Um, so it's really anybody's but, guess exactly yeah. how it would line up. But um, do you think? Yeah, I, that, that's that's what I would do. I'd go with um, more midfielders personally. Do, do, do you think the fact that you know Russia at home, um, you know, obviously, I don't know, is expecting a, a fierce atmosphere? Do you think that that'll have any kind of sway on how Russia will play it tactically? Because obviously, you know, I don't know, <laughs> you expect with these tournaments when the home team will come out flying and want to, you know, get the crowd behind them early on. But I'd, I'd suggest that. That's probably not the best way to to play against Mexico, unless you, uh, you know, you, unless you've got more talented players, like for example Chile do, like like we saw last summer. But do you think there'll be any any kind of move towards a, a more attacking Russian team because of that? I, you know, to be honest, that was a good question. Um, but the thing is, the relationship between the Russian national team and and the fans has been strained at best for a number of years, really. Um, yeah. So. It could work one of two ways. It could go like you suggest, and Chichester might think, well, to get the the fans on side, he'll try and play a more expansive um, attacking, well, front five, if you will. Um, I, I'm honestly not entirely sure. Um, I think I think realistically, we're going to see some changes and experimentation because that's what he's done for a whole year. We're still not seeing him settled on a team, so I think we will certainly see plenty of. Um, 
plenty of rotation throughout the group stage games. And that's what I mean by saying it'll be difficult to predict. But I think the youngsters, Golovin and Muranchuk, um, personally, I would I would partner with Yurokin and um, and Glushkov and then have Smolov up front and then give them a bit of, well, almost freedom to rotate a little. That's what I would do personally. Um, and I think that would be the best bet because then you've got the young Russian players who have genuine prospects of moves abroad, um, you know, becoming... You know, there's more central to the Russian team, so that's what I think would be the most sensible approach, personally. I mean, Toka, you said earlier that you were quite scared of this Mexico national side. Would you be as brave as Andrew is, is putting out there? Well, I think it depends on the on the situation in the group. I mean, if 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 Russia doesn't beat New Zealand in the first game, then they have to go all in for the victory against New Zealand, but. If if they if they defeat uh, New Zealand in the first game, if they if they're looking comfortable in the group, then perhaps they can sit a bit a bit further back, be a bit more cautious. But but yeah, it really depends on the situation in the group. But but when I look at this Mexico team, I would I would definitely be 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 cautious. I don't think there's any reason to to go all in. But but with that said, of, of course, Russ, they really need to excite people. I think that's the that should almost be the main objective for this tournament. They need to excite people. They need to give. The Russians a reason to to love the national team again, to be excited about the national team, to be looking forward to the games, and that's really something that I've been missing for the last five, six years, really. Um, but but well, I'd be a bit cautious for this Mexico game. It's it's a it's a very tough game, and and if if Russia go all in and really try to attack, it could get it could get ugly if it, if they don't succeed. So, yeah, just before we finish off, guys, I mean, obviously, circumstances can change with two matches before this Mexico-Russia match. But, uh, Andrew, what's your prediction for this match? Well, I mean, again, you know, it does depend what's gone on before. But generally speaking, I think Mexico are favourites again. But, you know, it's oh, it's so, it's so hard to know what's in Chichester's mind. Um, I, I know this is sounding like I'm sitting on the fence, but I think the best Russia could hope for is a draw. Um, and actually, you know, again, it's a fascinating um, insight, Tom, what you've come on to tell us about Osorio and his approach and, you know, how the back line is likely to line up. Um, but I think, I, think that's, I think that's given me a tiny bit of hope that we might, uh, might see a more imaginative midfield. So I'm going to tentatively hope for a 1-1 draw at best. And I am fully accepting that that is very optimistic. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. And Toka, we've heard your usual pessimism throughout this one, but I'd say especially more so for this Mexico one. So what's your prediction? Well, I think I think Mexico are the strongest side, but I'll, I'll go with the draw as well. I think uh, this, is the last, this is the last game of the group stage. I don't know if Russia will be going through or not, but at least I have to finish with... Uh, with a decent result. Okay, and uh, Tom, what's your predictions, not only for this Russia match, but also for Mexico for the whole tournament? I think I'll go Mexico 1-0 against Russia, and, um, you know, I think I think Mexico will reach the semis, and, you know, obviously, I think I think from there, it depends who you come up against. But, um, yeah, I expect Mexico to be, you know, maybe maybe a third-place finish in the tournament. I think that'll be successful, but, yeah, I just think the, the Russia match, you know, if you, I think if you do look at it on paper, I think Mexico are the most talented the more talented player for player than Russia, but I think from the Mexican point of view, what what is absolutely vital, not just against Russia, but you know, especially the first game against against Portugal, and obviously 
New Zealand as well, where Mexico will be, be heavy favourites. It's the mental aspect. And, and it all comes from the rebound of that 7-0 defeat last summer. Juan Carlos Osorio needs to see this team not just playing nice football, but mentally most, you know, mentally strong and steely and able to come so far away to a country like Russia where, you know, it, it's very different than Mexico. You know, it's, it's, it's completely different culturally and, you know, everything, everything's, everything's different and, and prove that, that this team now can come together. You know, the, the, the relationships within the squad are very strong. The team spirit's good and, and, and prove that, you know, that, that 7-0 last summer is, has been forgotten and the team's moved on mentally from that. Okay, perfect. So, uh, Tom, just before we wrap up this final section of the podcast, just uh, tell the listeners where we can find your work. Yeah, I'm on um, ESPN FC, um, covering, yeah, obviously covering the Mexican national team here in Russia. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Mexico World Cup. Okay, perfect. So we'll certainly be following that throughout the uh, the Confederations Cup and, of course, beyond just like we will with the other two, um, the guys of Portugal's and uh, New Zealand profile. So again, Tom, thanks for coming on. Brilliant insight. We've been really fascinating. No, thanks very much for the for the invite. And uh, yeah, enjoy the enjoy the tournament. Let's hope it's uh, let's hope it's a good one. So now we're just sort of moving on to a conclusion part of the podcast. Really, a bit, just again, thanks again to uh, Ola Bjorkowal who helped us with the New Zealand preview. Seems a long time ago now, to be honest. Then Tom Kunderp, who helped us with Portugal, and then finally we had Tom Marshall there on Mexico. So again, I'm just left with my two straggling guests keeping me here. It's uh, Andrew and Toka. Well, we're hanging in there, but that was that was fascinating, wasn't it? To get the insight um, from each country, and and I actually I've left that with a slightly different view on how, how I see the tournament going. But um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what you guys think now after listening to our guests about, um, about how far we might be able to go in the tournament as to Russia. Yeah, I mean, Toka, coming to you first, I'm thinking we, we, we're all quite negative. Well, Andrew aside, because Andrew is always positive, but us, us two, we were, quite, we were quite negative generally here. So has that, talking to those guys, and they, they, to be honest, I don't know whether they were just trying to butter us up for Russian football, to be honest. I, I'm not convinced. So has your perspective changed at all? Because they seem sort of a bit nervous, really. Earlier this summer, I, I was hoping that Mexico would have to focus on the, they played the Gold Cup late, later this summer, the North American Championship. But but it seems that Mexico are all in on the on the Confederations Cup, that they'll send a, a, like a B team to the Gold Cup. So that that kind of uh, hurt my hopes of Russia having a good tournament because that that means we have two really good teams alongside Russia and then of course New Zealand who are also a good team uh, in the group but before that I was hoping that well okay we have Portugal who win the group then we have New Zealand who Russia should adva- uh, should beat and then the Mexico side who might be more focused on other challenges but but since that not really the since that not really the, the um, what's what's going to happen now then. I must say I'm I'm quite pessimistic at the moment. I, I think it's probably my nature, and it's probably a way to, to avoid getting disappointed once again. But 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 I must say I think it it looks quite difficult now because even New Zealand, who we all expect Russia to beat, are still a, a relatively good team, as we heard from Ola. Um, so this should be, yeah, I think, it will be a very even group, and hopefully Russia will stay alive until the last game when uh, against Mexico. Yeah, I mean, Andrew, that's what we're all hoping, really, that Russia can remain competitive throughout right until that final game. Yeah, I think, um, and, I, and I think 
they well mathematically they will be if they if they beat New Zealand in the first game, which I fully expect them to do. So um, it actually could. And if it's a let's say the Portugal Mexico game, then that first game, I actually think that could be a very very important game for for Russia because if Portugal were to win that, then Mexico obviously are desperate to win the last game to go through. Um, however, if Mexico win that first game and then they play New Zealand and they should, by logic, have six points by that stage, they might not be quite so uh, desperate to play their first-choice team uh, against Russia. So it works both ways, really. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm almost starting to wonder whether Mexico might be slightly, slightly stronger um, than I thought they would be. So... I think it'll be a case of Russia has to get at least a point against Mexico. Um, so, so goal difference against New Zealand will be very important and that Portugal-Mexico game too. So I, I'm optimistic. I think they'll get a draw and I think it will be just enough to squeeze through to the semi-finals, which I think would be a huge success. Yeah, that would be a huge success, to be honest. But um, Toko, I mean, Andrew's laid out there that he expects them to go through to the semis. Well, I'm not quite. That sounds very grand, but then you realise there's only eight teams in the tournament. But uh, Toko, what's your prediction then? I said I said it on the um, on our last podcast on the Air Confederations Cup a few weeks ago. I don't think Russia will advance. I'm I'm really sorry. I wrote a piece on it on the website yesterday. I just I I, I can't see it right now. I think Mexico and Portugal are too good, and I think yeah, Russia are too bad. There are too many things going against this Russian team. In the strongest possible lineup, perhaps, but we have to remember this is a team without Chuba, without Tagore, without Mario Fernandez. Um, there's simply too many important players from this team missing. We still haven't found a, a proper central defense yet. Um, yeah, I, I think it's this, this tournament comes at a bad time. Uh, had it been a few months ago, had Russia been in the strongest squad, then perhaps, but but right now, I, I just, I, I can't see it. Also, we have to remember that we have all these things talking against Russia. I mean, we were also positive before the Euro, that Russia went amazing shape back, back then, but once they go on the biggest stage, they meet these opponents who who, who have experience from big leagues, who, who play good football, attacking uh, quick football, then the, the fitness level, the, the, the skill level of these Russian players is simply not good enough because they're not matched on a proper level uh, when they all play in, at home in Russia. So, yeah, I, I think Russia will they'll probably finish third. At least I hope so. They should de- defeat New Zealand, nevertheless. Okay, so no one's expecting them to win the group. So at least we're not being too optimistic. So I mean, as we have a lot of sort of unknown listeners to this podcast, I guess given our, given our guests' insight, I'm hoping that some some outside listeners will come in. Um, just give us a, a chance to plug ourselves, really. We are, of course, Russian Football News. You can find us at russianfootballnews.com. At Russ Football News is the Twitter. Uh, Russian Football News um, on Facebook. Just search it. It'll come up with the like page. And uh, Tokra, the, the Instagram is also at Russ Football News, isn't it? It certainly is. Yeah. And um, Andrew, your your baby, if you like, is the predictions league. So, if anyone from outside of Russian football news who doesn't know about this, just uh, give them a quick insight into it. Yeah, it's um, this actually a good opportunity for everyone to get to know a bit more about our site and and, and how we run. But yeah, it's just a really simple game we're running on the Russian football news Facebook page, and all you have to do is predict the results of all the Confederations Cup games, and if you get the perfect score, you get three points. You get the correct 
result but the wrong score you get one point and you get the result wrong you get zero simple as that but it's a yeah it's a nice bit of fun to be a bit competitive and see who knows more than everybody else so definitely go to our facebook page and have a look at that too um and yeah like you say the instagram page as well we're, we're trying to revive that and we'll have well Thomas, we've got you um in russia we've got danny we've got Ilya. i will be there in st petersburg so we'll have some original photos going on up there too so there's lots of lots of things for people to follow if they if they don't already follow us yeah perfect and uh as we we like i said this might go to a new audience just give us give us a, a selfish chance to plug ourselves so uh toka your, your twitter handle um i'm at uh, toka thile that's uh toka t-o-k-e and then thile t-h-e-i-l-a-d-e okay perfect and andrew yours um yeah my my twitter handle is at Andrew M-I-J Flint. Okay, perfect. And um, I am Thomas underscore Giles, which is G-I-L-E-S underscore UK. So Thomas underscore Giles underscore UK. That's my Twitter handle. And Toka, just to just to inform the listeners what we've got coming up on the website itself throughout the Confederations Cup, really. Oh, yeah, we have some good things. Of course, we'll have Russian reactions from all the game. How do various commentators, coaches, players react to, to however Russia uh, delivers? We also have... Um, a series on the last time they met, uh, sort of a, a look back in the history books at, well, basically at the last time the two teams met, like Russia and New Zealand, the last time Russia played against Portugal and Mexico, uh, which is always fun to, yeah, basically to look back and, and remember some of the good games, especially the one about uh, against Portugal should be good. That I believe that was the time they, won, they lost the one one nil in uh, in Russia with Capello as a as head coach. That's a that's a good memory. So that should be fun. Yeah, a rare memory, rare good memory from Capello, I should say. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, thanks for listening to this podcast. Do subscribe to the Russian Football News podcast. You can do that on iTunes and SoundCloud. As I mentioned earlier, Russ Football News Twitter, Instagram, Russian Football News Facebook, and RussianFootballNews.com. So thanks for listening to this preview, and hopefully we'll see you on the next podcast.